thank uh, Carrie for that excellent job leading singing. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but it seems every week, whoever's leading singing, I just want them to keep singing. I don't want the speaker to get up there just because the singing's so good. Uh, speaker get up there later. But uh, appreciate uh, him leading us in song tonight. Uh, it's been a wonderful weekend. I know there's uh, a lot going on. I know several ladies went on a ladies' retreat Friday night. Haven't heard much about it, so that's probably good. Uh, they probably had a good time. Uh, this morning, uh, family day was, was great, and we got to hear Bud Lambert uh, preach the gospel. Uh, Bud said a lot of nice things about uh, the ministers here, and, and I'd just like to say that uh, Bud has been uh, a wonderful encouragement to me and the other ministers, and uh, just a great person to, to be around. Those of you who've been around him know that, and I know the secretaries and, and David and Andrew would all say the same thing, that we love Bud and, and he's a blessing to our congregation. You know, family day uh, today, we didn't get to go to the park and, and play games. The, the rain uh, dampened our day a little bit, but hopefully it didn't dampen our spirits. I know uh, several family members were here this morning. I got to spend uh, the day with uh, my mom and dad and, and grandmother. My mom's birthday was Friday, and so we got to have a, a family day of our own. And that was nice to, to spend with them. You know, as I, I thought about what to talk about tonight, you know, many of us recently got back from El Salvador. I know last week that they presented pictures and, and told you some of the things that uh, meant a lot to them and impressed them in El Salvador. You know, I, I've been down there three years in a row now, and one thing, there's, there's a lot of things that impress me, and, and these trips have really impacted my life, and and, and made a difference in my life, I think. You know, but one thing that, that seems to impress me so much is Latin Americans' desire to learn more about God and to see young Christians down there, uh, no, matter, no matter what age, but, but young in the faith, and see their desire and see their enthusiasm for when they get together with the church. And, and I think we uplift them so much when we go down there and we can just encourage them and... and they're not used to being around a large group of Christians. And I think, it's, I think it's pretty neat. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, why is that? Why do they seem so enthusiastic? Well, the church down in El Salvador and in most of Latin America is, is pretty young. And, and they remind me a lot of, of the first century church that we read about in the Bible. And I was thinking about that, and I was, I was looking at myself and, and looking at our congregation, and I wanted to, to speak tonight and talk about how we can be more like the first century church, the church that we read about in Acts. And so tonight, I want to look at a few passages of Scripture, and I want to look at, at the qualities that the first century church possessed and how we can do a better job of being like that. And I'm looking at myself too. I know that, that I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anybody. There's things that I think we can do uh, better. And one thing as we look at, at these three passages we're going to study tonight, I want you to notice three things. I want you to notice their love for God. I want you to notice their love for each other. And I want you to notice their love for lost souls. As we look at these passages, I want you to notice that. You remember, if you open up to Acts chapter 1, you remember that while Jesus was on the earth, he had a group of men, he had a group of disciples that he was training and that he was preparing. And he was getting those disciples ready for an important job. 
Because when he died on the cross and he was resurrected and went back to heaven to live with his father, those disciples were going to start the church. They were going to start the church that Jesus was giving his life for. And so we remember in, in Acts 1, we pick up and, and he's just spoken uh, to his disciples. He spent uh, 40 days with them after he was resurrected and, and he's just gone up into heaven. And if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 11, it says, They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? His disciples were standing there, his followers looking into the sky where he had just ascended. He said, Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. One thing I think about the, the first century church is that they were anxiously awaiting Jesus' return to earth. And sometimes I, I think that we need to be more anxious in our waiting for Jesus to return. Because that promise is still for us today, that Jesus is going to return again. And that those of us that have obeyed and those of us have, who have followed His commands will be taken up with Him into heaven. The next passage I want to look at, you remember right after that in Acts 2, that Peter preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he was preaching in Acts 2, and you remember as he finished that the people said, they were cut to the heart, and they said, Brothers, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to pick up there in Acts 2, right after this, in Acts 2, verse 41. And I want us to look at these descriptions of the early church and look at ourselves and see what we can do a better job of today. In Acts 2, verses 41, let's pick up there. It says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. As we look at this, this description of the early church, Look at some of these qualities that they possessed and what they were doing. You look there, verse 41. There were 3,000 souls that were added to the church that day. And in 42, what was the church doing? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. First, they were devoting themselves to Scripture. You know, today, that's something that's got to be true for us. We've got to devote ourselves to God's Word. Every day, we need to be spending time in the Word and studying. You know, how are we going to know God's will for our life? How are we going to know what God wants us to do if we don't open up His Word and look at it? And I think a lot of times, uh, we, we, count, we count on guys like David Shannon too much for teaching us the Bible. And if we're counting on, on David Shannon and, and the Bible teachers that we hear twice a week to teach us the Word, then we're never going to learn it. And, and we're never going to... Uh, have a strong to daily invest time in the Word. You know, it's, it's wonderful to be encouraged by uh, men like David who preach the truth. 
But, you know, we need to be opening up our Bible every day and studying and finding what God wants us to do in our life. They're devoted to that. They're devoted to fellowship. You know, fellowship is something that was important to them, and it should be important to us today. You know, I think oftentimes, um, you know, fellowship, we think about just eating together. You know, and, and trust me, I see the importance of eating together, but there's, there's more to fellowship than that. It's, it's being together with, with other Christian brothers and sisters. You know, times like, um, you know, we would have had today if it hadn't rained, but times where we can be together. You know, and when I think about this, I think we come together, you know, three times a week as a, as a congregation. Uh, and I want to challenge you, don't try to be the first one out the door. You know, I know it's, I know it's neat to be the first car out of the parking lot, but try to, try to stay around. There might be somebody next to you that needs some encouragement. Andrew talked about last week when we ask people how they're doing, and they say, fine. You know, we all like to say, fine, even though we've got problems in our life. You know, if, if we would spend less time trying to be the first one at Christ and, and spend more time trying to find out, you know, what somebody else needs, if somebody else around us needs some encouragement, if maybe somebody that, that's not sitting around us that, that used to be, you know, maybe we could find out, you know, what's going on. Um, fellowship, that, that caring, you know, the, the love for, for each other, our brothers and sisters. We need to have that. You know, you go on, verse 43, of all. Verse 44, it says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. You know that verse there in verse 44 says, All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Around here, you see a lot of different people in this auditorium. And you look around and you, and you think, you know, you look around and you see different people's hobbies and, and interests that people are interested in. And you think, I don't have anything in common with that person. You know, I couldn't really start a conversation with them. But I tell you, what's neat is, is that if all of us in here, if we have God as our top priority, and if we put serving God and loving Him as first in our list, and all those other things will just fall into place. You know, that allows us, our love for God, our, that's our, our common bond as Christians. That, that brings us together, and that helps us have things in common. You know, it's, it's wonderful to have so many different people. And, and you know, if, if everybody was like me, you know, this would be a weird place, you know. But everybody's got different talents and different interests. But if we have that love for God as first in our life, then we can have things in common. And that brings us together as a family of God. Going on, talks about that they would sell their possessions and take care of the people uh, who had need. You know, and I, I think this is something this morning... We, we passed the cans around again for the Tennessee Children's Home. This is a great thing to do, uh, to contribute money to, to teens, to young people uh, that have needs that aren't being And there's so many places that we can help and, and give our money to, uh, you know, giving our support through our brothers and sisters when they're in need. That's one thing that's neat about uh, being here every day is that a lot of people come by the church and... and Ask for help. People that, that don't have money for food and have, have kids at home uh, that are hungry and have, have basic needs that they need help on. And it's neat that as a congregation, we can help so many people. 
And, and that's what it's all about. You know, as a congregation, is having that love for others. You know, to, to sell what we have and, and, and give the money to the people who need it. Help them out. Verse 46, it says, that day by day they continued with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. You know, it, it was important to them to be together with other Christians, to eat together from house to house. You know, we, we do a lot here with the teenagers, and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of neat things that we do, a lot of um, fun things we do. But one of the favorite things... One of my favorite things I get to do with the teenagers is have Monday night Bible studies. And what we do is we go to, to different people's homes and, and all the, the teens come and we usually only have eight to ten teenagers. But, you know, we'll go into somebody's home and, and all the teenagers bring their Bibles and we'll just sit down, sing songs of praise together, open up the Bible and study together and read God's Word together. And I think that's something that the early church did that, that we need to do a better job of. You know, it's not just for teenagers, but we all need to get together uh, with other Christians and, and study and, and encourage one another as we try to grow. With gladness and sincerity of heart, you know, from house to house. You know, and I realize, you know, now that I have a house that, you know, it's not always presentable uh, to other people. But uh, self-included, we need to do a better job of, of opening our home to other Christians and inviting others in. You know, the teenagers can tell you that there's at least one room in my house that's always off limits, you know? And uh, not because of anything explosive, I don't think, but uh, some, you know, just nasty stuff, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it says that, that here that they went house to house, you know, that they, they other Christians into their home and they would be together and fellowship and study God's Word and, and sing songs of praise. And I think that's something that, that we need to do today that can help us grow. One verse I really want you to notice here in this, in this section of verses is as you look at 41 through 46 and we see the qualities that these Christians had and that the, the first century church had, look at, look at their priorities and look at where they were putting their importance and, and where they were um, putting their time. You see how they were putting God first in all these things. And look at what God does for those people. In verse 47 it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that's true for us today, is that if we as a congregation, if we'll put God first and we'll put Him ahead of all those other things in our life that take our time, God is going to bless us. He's going to bless us as people. He's going to bless us as a congregation, going to bless us as His children. You know, and that's the way we grow, is we commit ourselves to Him and, and commit ourselves to showing love for each other and showing love for lost souls. And that's the way that God's going to bless us. All right, the next example I want you to look at is in Acts chapter... Acts chapter 4. And remember, as we look at these verses, think about the love that they had for God, the love they had for each other, and the love they had for lost souls. You know, it's, it's not something real complicated. You know, when they asked Jesus what the greatest command was, He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And they asked Him, what's the second greatest command? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we remember 
one of the last things he told his followers in Matthew 28 was go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, so we see uh, just those fundamental things that we all need to do. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, I'll recap. In, in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John healed a man who was crippled. And in Acts chapter 4, uh, we see in, in verse 1 that the people, the priests, and, and the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, get upset. And they, and they take Peter and John and, and they arrest them. And they're questioning them. And, and, and Peter is, is speaking bold, boldly to them about Jesus. And we see down, if you look down at verse 17 and 18 of chapter 4, the people tell Peter and John, they say, But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. In verse 18, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And look at how Peter and John responded. Verse 19, they said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And I love the, the attitude that they had and, and the zeal that they had for God. You know, we're not going to stop speaking about Jesus. And that's something that's a challenge to all of us is that, you know, when we leave, when we walk out these doors, you know, when we go back to work tomorrow, go back to school, go back to um, whatever it is we do on a weekly basis, you know, what are we talking about? What are we talking about to our friends? What are we talking about to our neighbors, to our coworkers? Um, you know, here, this is saying that, that Peter and John couldn't, couldn't be quiet about Jesus. And we need, to, we need to be doing the same thing. We need to be telling people about Jesus and what He's done for us and about the love of God. All right, skipping down. Peter and John say they're not going to do it. So skipping down verse 31, we see the church here. And it says that when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. We see here the love that the church had for each other, that these Christians had, that, that they were willing to sell their property, to sell their possessions, to help a brother in need, to help those in their congregation that needed help. I, I just, you know, it's neat to notice you see the love there. And then you chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, one of, my, one of my favorite stories, Peter and the apostles were preaching. And again, the Sadducees get upset. The, the rulers get upset and they bring Peter and the apostles and they throw them in jail because they're, they're tired of hearing them preach about Jesus. And so in verse 18 of Acts 5, it says, They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go, stand and speak to the people in, this te in the temple the whole message of this life. So this angel lets them out of jail, and they go and they, 
They stand in the temple courts in the middle of the town and they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching about Jesus. And so sure enough, the officers come in the next morning and they're not there. And they hear that they're back in the temple courts preaching. And so they go and they get them again. They hear the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. All right, and so they, they bring them in verse 26. They bring them in because they're going to stone them. You know, they're ready to end this talk about Jesus and, and end this. Verse 28, they say, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now notice this verse right here. Verse 29, how Peter responds. He says, Peter and the other apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We see here the love that Peter and the other apostles, that the early Christians had for God. That they were willing, facing persecution, they were willing to stand up and say, You can do whatever you want to us, but we're going to preach about Jesus. We're not going to stop. And then we go on. And in verse 34, a Pharisee named Gamaliel stands up. He was a teacher of the law, respected by everyone. He stands up and he, and he sends the men out. And he says something that I've always found really neat. In verse 38, he's talking to the other men. They're trying to decide what to do with them. And he says, he says, In this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God you will not be able to overthrow him. Or else you may even be found fighting against God. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. You know, what do we see there? You know, Gamaliel, this teacher of the law, says, look, if their plan is, is their plan, if it's of men, it's going to fail. But if it's of God, then there's nothing you can do to stop it. You know, as we think about today and we, we think about our congregation here, there's a lot of, of, of great things that, that we're planning to do. That as a congregation, uh, we can reach out to this community and there's things that we can do uh, to just continue to grow and continue to reach more lost souls in this community. But you know what? If we're going to succeed, if, if we're going to be here... Uh, you know, for years, if we're going to continue to spread the gospel, then we've got to keep God at the forefront. Everything we do has got to be uh, through God and, and, you know, through prayer, asking His wisdom and asking His guidance on everything that we do. Because any time that we think, you know, I've got this figured out, I've got a great idea, you know, let's put your trust in me, that's when we're going to fail. And we see the early Christians knew that, and they... They knew that they were committed to God and doing what He wanted, and therefore they were blessed. And Gamaliel said, you're not going to be able to stop them. And it's still the same today. Well, look at verse 40. They have them beaten. They flog them. They tell them, no more do we want to hear you speaking about Jesus. And, and my favorite part of the story here is, is 41 and 42. It says, they took... It says, so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, 
they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. That's my favorite part of the story. Because they've taken them and they've thrown them into jail for speaking about Jesus. And they've said, we're going to beat you. They came close to killing him. They said, you know, they beat him down. And they say, we don't want to hear any more about Jesus. Stop preaching about his name. And, and they go away rejoicing that they have been counted worthy of, of suffering for his name. And they kept right on day after day preaching about Jesus. You know, when I think about this, I think about back when I was a kid and I used to get whippings every now and then. And uh, I don't know, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of discipline methods your parents used. Um, my parents are here tonight, so they can testify to this. Uh, the most effective, they tried just about everything with me, and the most effective uh, form of discipline was uh, switches, uh, which I don't know who's to blame for that, but somebody planted all these great bushes around our house, and so we had, you know, plenty of switches for all my young years. And uh, so... They figured out the best thing for me was switches to make me stop doing something. Well, they would, my mom was pretty handy with a switch. And, uh, you know, she could, she could lace me up pretty good uh, on the back of my legs, you know. And I'll tell you what, whenever, whenever they, got, they got finished, you know, uh, I would always walk away. And I think the last thing I wanted to do was rejoice, you know. I would, I would usually want to lay down somewhere or just get away from my parents for a while. Uh, you know, just, but, but it was, you know, after you get, you know, a little whipping or spanking or whatever, you don't really feel like laughing or feel like celebrating. You know, here these disciples are, they just got beat down. They got flogged for preaching about Jesus and they go away rejoicing that they were counted worthy of suffering for his name. It's, it's truly awesome. And, and you see the love that they had for God and the, and the commitment they, that they had. You know, as we, as we looked at these stories tonight, and as you look at, at the love that the early church had for God, and the love that they had for each other as, as Christian brothers and sisters, and the love that they had for lost souls, I, I want us to look, I want you to look at yourself, and I want us all to look at ourselves tonight and think, you know, how can I, how can I improve what I'm doing, you know? When we come together as a, as a family, you know, let's, let's put our, our love into it. Let's put our hearts into our worship. You know, when we come together and we sing and we pray together, you know, let's, let's put our hearts into it. Uh, let's, let's study God's Word every day. Let's go out and, and tell people more about Jesus. I know we can all do a better job. I know I can do a lot better job. Uh, but but with, with God, if, if we're putting God first in our life, you know, all those other things will, will fall into place. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I think that's the same for individuals as it is for a congregation. You know, tonight, as, as you think about yourself and, and think about you know, the love that you have for God, the love that you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and the love that you have for lost souls. There might be somebody in here tonight that um, has never obeyed God, has never uh, tasted fully the love that he had, the, the love that he had to sacrifice his one and only son on the cross for us. You know, because Jesus came and, and died on the cross, and he was resurrected, 
we can have those sins washed away. Just as Peter told them in Acts 2, just as he told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit. You can do that today. Folks, I plead with you, if you have never obeyed the gospel and you understand what God wants you to do with your life and what God commands, then do it tonight. Don't leave tonight thinking, I'll come back later. I'll study more. I'll, you know, I'll think about it and I'll come back. Do it tonight. If you are a Christian and, and you have uh, wavered, and maybe your, your, your faith in God um, has wavered, you've, you've had some things that cause doubt or um, you've had things um, go wrong, you know, and you need to come tonight and, and confess those sins before the church and ask the church to pray for you, that's one of the best things that we can do is pray together and pray for each other. Uh, then you can do that tonight as well. Uh, if you have never obeyed the gospel, and if you have need, you need the prayers of the church. If you have any need, please come as together we stand and sing.